Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is primetime action live from the South Point Hotel Casino, tip of the strip, Las Vegas, Nevada. Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin. So glad you could join us tonight. Uh, full of guests, Mike Pritchard, our own Mike Pritchard from Betting Across America to talk all things NFL. He'll be joining us for the sixth annual BetCast. Come. Big game day. We look forward to that. Wes Reynolds, the glue that holds this whole operation together, co-host of Long Shots, talk golf and some college basketball with him. Johnny Avello from DraftKings. Nick Whalen from uh, Rotowire, talk some NBA with him. And Matt, a whole bunch of uh, hockey to start. Look at that itinerary. Oh, I know. Wow. You know, you know what that means? That means football seasons are winding down. People, people, people are like, <laughs> I got to really take a look at this thing here this time. Like, this is crazy. If you're watching on your phone, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Probably can't even read that text. It's, uh, I was told I maxed out our tease graphic for yeah, the show. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, like, well, that's well done there, Kelly. There's not another segment allowed. I was told that. Can't put that. There's no room. Oh, no more room on this graphic. All right. Uh, yes, so we do have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven puck drops right this second. Oh, yes. Seven of them. So, any of these, run to your sportsbook of choice, Ducks and Canadians. Ducks minus 140 road favorites, plus 120 on the home Canadians. Golden Knights and the Panthers. The Panthers are minus 162 home favorites over the Knights, plus 135 on the road there. Pittsburgh Penguins are going to crush the Kraken. Oh, my God. Minus 340. The Pittsburgh Penguins over the Kraken. Plus 265. I think they missed a one. Probably plus 1265, but it, says, it only says plus 265 on this thing. The Hurricanes and the Senators. Hurricanes, minus 235, plus 190 on the home Senators. We got the Rangers and the Blue Jackets. The Rangers, minus 190 road favorites, plus 160 on the home Jackets there. Devils and the Lightning. The Lightning are minus 340 home favorites, plus 275 on the visiting Devils. And then the Kings and the Islanders. The Islanders are minus 130 home favorites, plus 110 on the Road Kings there. We do have three other puck drops, eight Eastern, five Pacific, the Canucks and the Jets. The Jets, minus 170 home favorites, plus 150 on Vancouver. We got the Flames and the Blues. The Blues are minus 140 home favorites, plus 120 on the Flames on the road there. And finally, nine Eastern, six Pacific. We've got the Predators and the Oilers. This is a coin flip, 110 on both sides. Just two games in the association tonight. The Lakers and the Sixers at 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific. 
The Sixers are five and a half to six point home favorites, a total of 215 and a half to 16. And then we have 10 Eastern, seven Pacific, the Timberwolves and the Warriors. Warriors are six to six and a half point home favorites over the Wolves, 229, 229 and a half. Your total there. No uh, LeBron James for the Lakers tonight. That's why that number uh, swing swung as much as it did. So five and a half. Yeah, five and a half, six in favor of Philly right now. All right. And we're supposed to uh, say that the biggest single sporting event going right now is the USA El Salvador 2022 World Cup qualifier. Nil, nil. Yeah. So three minutes into this one. Is it their first qualifier? Why am I asking? Why are you question? asking? This I knew. I was like, in my head, I'm like, please don't ask a follow up. Please don't ask a follow up. Yeah. There comes the follow up. I'm going to do some research for us and the whole audience out there. We'll let them know. <laughs> by the way, El Salvador, uh, noted by the SLV, apparently next to their name. Salvador. In case you thought we were taking on Slovenia or Slovakia, it's not. It's El just, Salvador. Yeah. Just Salvador. Uh, big day in the NFL as far as the coaching carousel the, of the nine vacancies. Two have been filled. Beginning uh, this morning with uh, the first of those, the Broncos going with Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, Green Bay offensive coordinator has been at Green Bay as their offensive coordinator for three years. Nathaniel Hackett becomes the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. And then the Bears, quickly after that, uh, hired the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, as their head coach. So Bears and Broncos, those vacancies filled. And right after that, it was announced that Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator at Dallas, who did such a fine job with the Cowboys this year with that defense, staying put in the Big D. Yeah, that was very interesting. I think maybe, does that tell more about these jobs that were open than it does anything else? The Dan Quinn part yeah. of it? I, I definitely drew the line. I was like, he. those were the two that it could have happened once those were gone. Jerry was like, why don't you just stay here? Yeah, and, and he probably looked around, and look, we were, I mean, look, we were power rating these these yesterday, and I'm sure he looks at this things like, okay, these are pretty bad situations to get involved in here, so let's just hang out. Meaning the rest of these? Yeah, let's just hang out. Let's just hang out. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of them that aren't bad, but maybe he had his heart set on those two, or one of those two anyway, Denver and uh, yeah, I mean, I, Chicago. I, you know, listen, we, we all think that the Raiders have at least a decent little talent pool there but the problem is is the division they play in so I mean I think you probably look at that job and you go yeah I'm not going into like a completely talentless squad and then at the same time it's like well look who I play twice a year every year for the next right you know well foreseeable so that was the that was the thing about Denver hiring Nathaniel Hackett which was the rumor was that there was a and I don't know how much of it was rumor or truth in the end that there was a flight for Hackett to go to Jacksonville for the Jaguars to interview him. And they were like, oh, no, if we're going to ever get Aaron Rodgers, we better hire this guy right now on the spot. But then there were the rumors about, you know, Vic Fangio going down to, to Jacksonville, that, that that plane was for Vic Fangio. Anyway, Vic Fangio did interview, in fact, with the Jacksonville Jaguars today. Uh, Trent Balky and him have worked together before, so that happened. And then the Raiders requested a head coach interview with Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels per league source today. McDaniels now expected to interview with the Raiders as well. So I don't know, man. I mean, the one thing that I was noting this morning is we're always focused on, okay, how is this person a fit for this job? What about the other way? Like Everflus leaving the Colts as a defensive coordinator. The Colts defense down the stretch couldn't stop the Raiders or the Jaguars. Are the Colts better off if they get a better defensive coordinator than they had? Like some of these you're like, I don't know. 
I mean, well, that's not then, the worst so thing what, in the world. So what does this do? Now, Las Vegas Review Journal <laughs> reporting that how, how you like this little like mental gymnastics got to do. If Josh McDaniels accepts the head coaching job for the Raiders, then there is a good chance that Wink Martindale would then be the defensive coordinator mm. for the Raiders. So it's like, if this, then there's a decent chance of that. So we at least have that going And then on. Kelly and I and, and Sean were talking about this before, before air, which is, you know, hiring your head coach before you have the GM spot filled. So then if it's Josh McDaniels and Wink Martindale, some GM rolls in there after the fact, boy, I bet he's going to have a lot of power. Right. Yeah, you're thrilled in a situation like that, right? You have, like, basically no say over hey, what hey the coaching is. Yeah. I The Dan Quinn one's interesting to me because the, like, I, I, I think you got to read into what they said. Of, the Cowboys come at, coming out and talking about Mike McCarthy today, right? And it's like, he's safe for 2022. It's like, oh, okay. Well, like, maybe that's what they told Dan Quinn, too. Like, he's safe no, for not, this year. It's not at all what they told Dan Quinn. I'm telling you. They basically told Dan Quinn, yeah, he's safe for 2022. Right, yeah, wink, wink, like, wink yeah. hang around. If they lose three games in a row at any point, he's right, done. Right. The the Mike, Mike Silver has come out, and he has said that, that Josh McDaniels has a, quote, high opinion of Derek Carr. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, of himself. So... Yes. <laughs> there's there's that, you know, if we want to keep on trying to connect these guys to I mean, would it would it would it be a report if he had a low opinion of I was Derek Carr? Of I course mean, not. You know, I mean that's not a report. Josh McDaniels so. would take the job, but he has a low opinion of Derek Carr, <laughs> yeah. so he's, he's not stepping in with a quarterback he hates. And you're like, no, that's uh, anyway, yes, that is that is also being uh reported here as well. Uh player news, Ben Roethlisberger said out loud what we thought, I guess. We knew he was leaving the Steelers, but he never really voiced the fact that he was retiring until this morning. Did it by video. Big Ben Dunzo, Hall of Fame career uh, from the 11th overall pick of the draft back in 2004. Won the Super Bowl twice. Was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Remember, the Steelers couldn't lose seemingly when he uh, first started playing. Six-time Pro Bowler, two-time passing yards leader. And the most career 500-yard passing games in the history of the National Football League. He had four of them. And boy, early in his career impossible to bring down just could stand there and shed tacklers and it's 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 sad that we remember him as hot garbage the last couple years it's these guys that hang on just a little bit too long which is why i'm and and i'm not saying that there would be any sort of precipitous drop or anything like that but which is kind of like why i want brady to step away this year me too i don't want that memory because it's like yeah he played at one at a level that we never would have thought in a million years at 44 years old but that memory of like, wow, man, can you believe he played like that all the way to 44? I yeah. don't want to go, man, that year 44 season was awesome. And then in, when he turned 45, just fell off a cliff, other, you know? The other thing about that, what, so I'm convinced he's retiring. I might be right. I might be wrong. But the the one thing that I can't, that I'm just, I die laughing every time I hear is people are like, oh, Brady didn't want to go out like that. What do you mean? He came back from a 27 to 3 deficit to tie the football game. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean he didn't want to go out like so the only the only acceptable exit is to win a Super Bowl? Like I don't get it. That's Which a, is that's about as great of an exit as you can have if you don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, and how it's incredibly rare to be able to do that, right? To yeah. to know your time is up, win a Super Bowl, and then walk away comfortably, right? I mean, you, these guys are ultimate competitors. So you think of after a career of success to end a season where you didn't win a Super Bowl. You, you always got to think, okay, they want to come back and try to do it again. Or if they win a Super Bowl, they think to themselves, I'm still that good. Let me go, let me keep playing. 
So I think yeah, if you don't win a Super Bowl, that's about as best as you can do. I, I would think. Only other news today of, of uh, no other news, but one of the other notes. Teron Matthew still has not cleared concussion protocol, but he was on the practice field today. Sounds a little uh, counterintuitive. Yeah, seems. But, I mean, listen, it's one of those things like we were trying to say, and it's like, eh, where there's smoke, these guys – Playoffs, playoff concussions are different than normal concussions. <laughs> playoff concussions. He got, got a playoff concussion. COVID, COVID takes a break. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, the different, different stuff happens in the playoffs. Yeah. That's for sure. Let's talk some basketball next. Nick Whalen from uh, Rotowire, NBA editor over there. We'll talk uh, Lakers, Sixers, T-Wolves, Warriors, all things NBA. Nil-nil, USA, El Salvador. Keep track of that all night. It's Mason's Primetime Action. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the never, Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You've the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on primetime action, proudly brought to you by our big game coverage. Uh, not exactly, but you know what I mean. 56 hours of free coverage straight. Big game weekend betting strategies, big game betting guide, matchup analysis, betting market insights. We'll start it all on primetime action on Friday night. Uh, about 36 hours before the big game. We'll take it through. We're on the BetCast along with Mike Pritchard. He'll join us a little later on. We look forward to it. Our sixth annual big game BetCast here at the network. Stormy Bonatoni will run point. All of it at vsin.com. And it's all free. That's the main thing. Free. How much does it cost? Free. Free. Zero dollars. Zero dollars, zero cents. Gil, Matt, Kelly. Let's talk some NBA. Let's bring him in from RotoWire. He's an editor there uh, to talk NBA. Nick Whalen joins us. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great, guys. First time on the show. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. We really appreciate you making the time. Listen, let me just start with MVP. Uh, some of us have some MVP tickets on some random players. Uh, I might have a Steph Curry and a John Morant. 
those aren't trending, well, at least in the Curry case, not trending very well. How do you see that market right now? Who is the guy to beat, obviously, with, you know, half a season left? Well, if you look at the the newest update in the odds this week, you now have Joel Embiid installed at the, as the favorite at a lot of books. He's at plus 250 uh, at DraftKings, for example. You have Curry just behind him at plus 310. Giannis is right there. Jokic, all those guys are usually four four to one or lower. So, you know, after that, you get a kind of a gap down to guys like John Morant at 11 to one. You know, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron, DeMar DeRozan, guys like that are kind of in that next tier. So the way that the odds break down, it's basically a four-man race between Embiid, Curry, Giannis, and Jokic. I, I get why Embiid is the favorite. He certainly has momentum right now, the way he's played over the last 15 games or so, probably the best 15-game stretch he's had. I still think you're in a good spot, though, holding that Curry ticket. He built himself such a nice cushion over the first two months of the season when he was, you know, by far the runaway favorite. And, you know, frankly, he's been straight up bad by his standards for almost 30 games now. He's shooting under 40%, under 35% from three. We really haven't seen a stretch like this from Steph Curry in a very long time. So I think you're okay because chances are he's going to snap out of this and snap out of it in a big way down the stretch. So the fact that he's still sitting in second place with the second lowest odds behind Embiid, uh, there's no way he's going to keep playing like this after the All-Star break. So I, I like Curry, but to me, I, I think Jokic at 4-1 to one is probably the best value right now. The numbers are just as ridiculous, if not more ridiculous, than last season. And, you know, the other three candidates are on good teams, but none of them are on great teams. There's None of those teams are going to win 60, 65 games. So I don't think this is one of those years where Jokic will be overly penalized if the Nuggets finish as the fifth or sixth seed in the West. Nick, one of the markets that we really do find fascinating here also is, is coach of the year because, one, what does a voter value? What are they looking for? Is it a turnaround? Is it a team that just is incredibly dominant? Is it whatever? So there's all kinds of different ways to go about handicapping this. And and right now, I think the odds kind of dictate that because there's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six different guys that are under 10 to 1 right now. So it's a little – it's mm -hmm. it's pretty pretty jumbled up. In that market, how do you kind of see that playing out? Is there anybody you can see kind of fading off because you think that the team fades off? Like, well, what, what are you looking at from there? Well, to answer that that first question, man, I think Steve Kerr is the guy who really seems to be fading. You know, a couple of weeks ago, he was the favorite at a lot of books, and now you're seeing him in the 7, 8, 9 to 1 range. Um, you know, the, the case for Steve Kerr, who's already won this award multiple times, was, you know, the Golden State Warriors looked like they were going to be the best team in the league. They got off to that super fast start. You know, he's using some young players. You know, Steph Curry's playing well, but other than that, they didn't have Clay back. And now that the Warriors have kind of faded a little bit, I think the case for Steve Kerr is pretty hard to make. And, and now that brings us back to a more traditional coach of the year race, which in a lot of ways, this functions as like the most improved player award for coaches, right? It's, you know, it's whatever coach vastly exceeds expectations. The only way that the coach of the best team usually wins it is if that team has an exorbitantly high win total. You know, Steve Kerr won it when the Warriors won 73 games because, of course, he had to. They won 73. They broke the record. No team is really on that course this year. Maybe the Phoenix Suns, you know, who still have single-digit losses. You will see Monty Williams as the favorite at some books. I, I don't love the narrative for Monty Williams. I mean, I get the argument, but I think a lot of the credit for the Suns' turnaround goes to Chris Paul. So it's kind of a shared responsibility between Paul and between Monty Williams. And it felt like if Monty was going to win it, it was going to be last season when they really surprised people. I, I mean, everybody expected the Suns to be good this year. Yes, they're the best team in the West, but that's not really coming out of nowhere. So to me, if I was going to lay down some money, it would be J.B. Bickerstaff, uh, who you can find in the 4-1 to one range. Uh, you can find Taylor Jenkins a little bit higher even, 6-1, to 7-1. to one. 
in, in a lot of years, those guys would be running away with this award, with the way that Cleveland and Memphis have blown away expectations. The Cavaliers needed only 45 games to go over their season-long win total. Nick, uh, we probably won't see it tonight because we only have two games, so I hesitate to think that it will happen tonight. Who knows? Maybe it will. But every night we come in here and do the show, and, you know, the most stark example of this is a couple nights ago when the Kings lost by 58. There was a couple other outcomes of 30-plus points. Um, and we just sort of remark at how the NBA didn't used to be this way even as recently as two years ago. Last year, it sort of cropped up a little bit, but we're seeing just more blowouts on a night-to-night basis. When I say blowouts, I mean like ridiculous blowouts uh, where margins are so, so wide. Uh, do you expect that? Could, like, well, First of all, what do you attribute that to, the increased rate of that? Do you expect that to just be a thing now in the NBA, or is this some sort of historical anomaly that will go away in your opinion? Well, I think the number one thing you would point to is probably the the condensed schedule of these last two and a half seasons, you know, going all the way back to the bubble, the, the quick turnaround for a lot of those teams, um, you know, whether that wear and tear is, is you know, kind of rearing its ugly head in, in certain ways where, where teams just seemingly no-show these games. And like you said, we've seen a few of those, you know, Sacramento, uh, you know, the main culprit or the, the most recent culprit, but they're, they're far from alone. And, you know, I, I found myself, you know, being more comfortable betting some of those big lines. You know, you'll see, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are 14-point favorites over the Pistons. In years past, you would maybe kind of second-guess that, but uh, it, it does seem like there's kind of a bigger gap between the really bad teams and the really good teams. Um, that could be part of it as well. I mean, we have a few teams, especially at the bottom of the West, and I think you could throw the Orlando Magic in that category and probably Detroit as well in the East. I mean, you have some teams that are openly really not trying to win, so you have some pretty big gaps between you know, teams 28, 29, and 30, and, you know, one, two, and three. I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, whether or not we continue to see this, I, I sure hope not. Uh, part of it to me feels like, you know, this is kind of like an old man argument, but it's like, where's the pride? You know, how do you lose a, a regular season game by, by 40 points, let alone 58 points, like Sacramento did the other night? I don't know if it's kind of just an overall devaluing of the regular season. That, that certainly seems to be something that's cropped up more and more over these last couple of years, you know, you, you see players maybe missing games or being more comfortable missing games that they wouldn't have in the past. Uh, it, it's a trend that I certainly hope does not continue. Nick, we're a couple of weeks away from the the trade deadline. Of course, the the one team everyone will be keeping an eye on is, is the Sixers. Is anything going to happen with Ben Simmons there? Um, outside of that obvious answer, is there any other team that you think could really, really increase their position and and you know is is a viable actual team in kind of in the market here, or do you think that this one's going to be a pretty quiet trade deadline? You know, I think we're heading toward this being a relatively quiet deadline. I think teams like, you know, the Indiana Pacers, it felt like three weeks into the year, you know, they're, they're throwing stories out there like, hey, all of our players are available if anybody wants them. Uh, so we could see names like Karis LeVert, Demontis Sabonis, uh, Miles Turner you know, be on the move. I don't think we're going to see, you know, like a, a top five to 10 player in the league traded. That doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's going to be one of those deadlines. But, you know, in terms of teams that could be buyers, you know, if you're a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Memphis Grizzlies, um, you know, even Philadelphia obviously has the Ben Simmons chip if they want to use that. You know, you look at both conferences. Right now, you got the Heat at number one in the East. You got, you know, the Suns look like a really good team out West, but it doesn't feel like there is a, you know, juggernaut, you know, like 2017 Golden State Warriors type of team out there where it's just like, we have no chance. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams, one through eight, one through nine in the East, who could probably talk themselves right or wrong 
into the belief that, hey, if we, if we can just pick up one more, you know, borderline all-star level player, maybe that's the guy that propels us over the top. So, again, if you're a team like Cleveland that has experienced no success really in your entire history without LeBron James, it might be ill-advised, but maybe you do kind of try to go all in and, and make a trade for someone like Karis LeVert. Ultimately, is that enough to put you over the top? In my opinion, probably not. But, you know, we've seen teams talk themselves into trades like this before. Nick, we have about uh, 30 seconds here. A couple games tonight. Lakers, the LeBronless Lakers at Philly. Philly favored by six. And Golden State coming off their 38-point uh, shellacking of the Mavericks are uh, similarly six-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the T-Wolves. Anything on either of these games tonight? I, I mean, I like the I like the Sixers a lot. You know, the question is, do we see another slow start from them? They played that Pelicans team on Tuesday that was without four or five of their best players. Philly started slow, didn't take the lead in that game until late in the third I think that was kind of their wake-up call. I don't see that happening again. So I would ride Philly at home. And I actually like Minnesota, I think, to cover this number at Golden State. I know the Warriors have been really good against the spread. They're 16-8-2 ATS at home this season. Uh, Minnesota, though, 13-11 ATS on the road. Not too bad. But Golden State, I, I think, is still coasting on reputation to some degree. You know, without Draymond Green, this has not been the same team. They've been a bottom-10 offense without Draymond Green. And meanwhile, Minnesota, over its last 10 games, number one offensive rating, highest scoring team in the NBA. Nick, appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Nick, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Nick Whalen, everybody, from RotoWire. You can follow him on Twitter at Whalen. Just replace the uh, L with the one, and then you'll find Nick. Maybe I should do that with Matt. I used to ask. Eh, maybe not. We'll come back. NFL Talk next. Primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. It's the new feature. Well, it's not that new. Let's not lie. It's been there for a while now. It gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion. Data, of course, available as always for money line over under and against the spread bets. Betting splits added to the list. Yet another way that VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. It's the, uh, when, when you were out, Gil, I was, I, I did the same thing you did because I was like, you know, is this going to be like one of those deals when a radio station rebrands and it's like the all new 94.5 for like three years? Yes. They say that, yeah. you know, like for uh -huh. three years, it's the all new 94.5 <laughs> or something. It's yeah. like, no, it's not all new. It was all new two years ago, buddy. All it's not new 94.7. <laughs> it's so true. Or the uh, or the going out of business sale that lasts for five years. <laughs> We're going out of business. I thought you were going like, out of business last year. There's like stores that are just going out of business stores that exist for like seven years. You're like, oh, okay. Dr. Uh, Eric Eager was on uh, Numbers Game this morning. We love Dr. Dr. Eric Mr. Eager. Dr. Mr. From yes. uh, Pro Football Focus. And I was talking to him, obviously, about the championship games and specifically about the Rams and the Niners. And he laid out this nugget. I, I asked him. I was like, hey, could you come on for two seconds? Because I want to ask you about like season-long stuff. What's the best team by your numbers that didn't make the playoffs? What's the worst team that did that kind of thing? And I said, also, like, give us your like quirkiest stat of the year, if you could. So we actually, I actually, actually set those up for him, which I don't normally do. They normally just show up and we ask questions. So it came for that one, and he goes, well, he goes, it actually plays into one of the championship games. And he said, so... I had never heard it said this way. There's a, you know, for those who are obsessed with the fact, not obsessed, but those who are interested in the fact of how Kyle Shanahan and the Niners not only swept the Rams this year, but have won six games in a row. So the stat that he said was, 
that the Rams disguise their coverages 9% more than any other team in the National Football League. 9% more than any other team in the National Football League. But when they play the Niners, they disguise their coverages 14% less than they do against any other team. So, which is, which is fascinating. And what he essentially said was, there's a, so if you're looking for reasons as to why the Niners have this kind of power over the Rams, it's, a lot of it's built into that. The reason that the Rams play that way is because the Niners' sort of constant motion offense forces them to go out of what they like to do. And I just I thought that was a great answer to that question. If you're looking to see strategically, or, or at least X's and O's wise, why the Niners flummox the Rams so much? At least that's a starting point. And the uh, the the stat, and if you tune in tomorrow, I'll repeat this again. But um, the thing that you know everyone keeps trying to say, oh, it's so hard to beat a team three times in a year. No, it's not. Gil, yes, so hard to do it. <laughs> People say, so, is, is it hard to beat them seven times so, in a row? So since hard. 1970. There have been 22 times where a team won the two regular season games and then they met again in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The three-game sweep happened 14 of the 22 times. Yeah, it's not hard at all. Because you're a good team. Because at that point, you've made it to the playoffs and you're a playoff team and you're good. And it's not crazy to think that a good team could beat another good team three times in a row. It's not crazy to think Especially that. if you figured out something against yeah. them. So it's that that's that's sad. It's just it's literally since 1970. 22 times it's happened and 14 times the three-game sweep has, has happened. So, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not crazy to think at all that this could, that this could go the, the 49ers way. I feel, like, I feel like we pull that stat up. We've pulled that stat every up year. every year now for the past three years. It's every like... year. People say, oh, it's really hard to beat another team three times. Mainstream media thing. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. Stop not saying really. it. If you go back and look like Matt did, it, not really. It's not, it's not hard. Well, because to play a team three times – it means you made it to the playoffs, which means you're a good team. Mm-hmm. And if you're good, you can beat another good team. That's just the way it goes. I mean, it's not now crazy what, to think. what would be curious, right? I could hear, I can sort of just anticipating what someone listening to this would say. Okay, how many of those 22 in the third matchup ended up being the road team that had the opportunity to beat them three times in a row? Right. That would sort of be the counter, well, not the counter to that, but sort of the the follow up question. I don't know if we have the I don't know if we have the answer to that follow up question, but this would be usually because usually it's the home team, right? I can think of in, many instances where the where the home team is doing it for the third time, but here we have this unique situation where no, it's the Niners. Remember, a Niners team that had to come from seventeen back to beat the Rams in Week eighteen to get to the postseason to spare us the horrific possibility of both the Eagles and the Saints getting into the playoffs and then to make and we said this before we said this Niners team they're the only team built in the NFC to mess with the Packers at Lambeau and that manifested too so I I still I go back to that week 18 game man did that end up giving us a lot of entertainment moving forward and here we are now with the third matchup between these two teams so our friends uh our friends here in town Billy Billy Hill William. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, Billy. William. Yeah. Billy Hill here Sun in town. So this is a three and a half point game. What do we think home field advantage in LA is is worth? Zero. Zero. Let's say even on on the on the very best day, we give it a point. Right? If you insist. But we don't. But we don't. Yeah, if you insist. I like if they so were the, playing what? The Dolphins. The maybe? Super Bowl look ahead lines. 
Okay. Yep. Rams and Chiefs, Chiefs two and a half point favorite. Niners and Chiefs, Chiefs three point favorite. There's a only a half point difference in either one of these teams making it to play the Chiefs, which then basically means on a neutral because it kind of is a neutral situation when, when it comes to a Super Bowl and all that. Even though it would be played in L.A., that's not how the tickets get dispersed. Correct. And all the way so on a neutral, these teams, according to the market, or whatever, is a half point is a half a point difference. Yet this is a three and a half point spread in this game. And we don't think there's any home field advantage at all involved for the Rams. Right. So it's just an interesting. No, I. I that, no, that is incredibly interesting. No, what, what, what I'm saying is this is why all week and the three of us have Rams futures. So we we all want the Rams to win this. But both mechanically and what I really think. Right. If I didn't have the future, I would end up doing the exact same thing I'm doing even with the future, which is I'm playing the Niners plus the three and a half points. Try to hit the middle, if you will. But if I didn't have that future, I'd still play the Niners plus three and a half because I just think that's too many points. The hook being the key to that, right? Like, okay, I'll do it. So I think I, I think that thing that Dr. Eager said, I just want to keep calling him doctor. Yes. I think that <laughs> it's, I wouldn't bring him up as much if he wanted a doctor. I think Dr. Eager's corrected that where it's just, you know, they completely, the Rams are forced to completely change their character. And so there's something to that. Now, Jimmy, now, the, of course, the wild card, right? As you go through a Rams-Niners talk, you always have to bring up, yes, but Jimmy G can't throw, can't flirt with three or four pick sixes because that will mitigate everything. It, it, yeah, so we all would agree here, and it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I was on I was on the Packers side. It doesn't matter if you were on the 49ers side or not. He got away with it, right? Like, totally. He got away totally. with it. Totally. And, and if you have to think that you don't run that good again. So, like, if he makes – Another four passes that float in the air that, you know, are just up for whoever might happen to get there first, you know, um, that, that, that flirting with disaster like that isn't going to isn't going to work out. But I, I, I found though that very in. Though Matthew Stafford has the most pick sixes actually yeah. of the year. Yes. I, I, I can't I can't get over. I can't get over those look ahead lines. That doesn't make in what in what world do either those or the line we're seeing this week make sense? Well, that's why I found it so interesting because I was looking at that earlier this morning and I go, okay, so there's a half a point difference between these two teams if they were to play the Chiefs on a neutral, yet we think there's no home field advantage for the <laughs> Rams in this three game, and, and it's three and a half. What were to get it was Chiefs two and a half over the Rams, so like, and Chiefs three over the Niners. So like one market, I don't believe those in lines. one market or the other, you're three points wrong. Right, like you're you're three points off. Do you really think if the Chiefs and the Rams advance, the Chiefs are going to be l- lower than a three point favorite? I do um, not. I could see three. The 49ers one, I don't believe. You can bet it right now if you don't believe. You do. No, no, I mean that's <laughs> like, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, like I don't think it'll be that next week. Yeah. I, I I don't see. T- maybe it opens two and a half and gets bet immediately to three. I mean, I I would guess three. I guess, but I, on the Niners, I wouldn't. Not Niners. I think that would be a five point opener. Chiefs five. Mm. It's just, yeah, it, it, it's super interesting, though. I, I mean, mean you, it, it, what, the, what the Lions are telling you, William Hill, is that the Rams are three and a, three and a half points better this week, but they're a half point better <laughs> next week yeah. than the Niners. What? Okay. Yeah, it was super interesting. I, just was like, I was like, this is a good talking point because I'm like looking at this and basically they're telling us that these teams are power rated essentially the same. Yeah. Yet we're getting more than a field goal with one of the teams in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm unlike you. I'm in, I'm more interested on the Rams this week. But like, if you were, 
I think you have to look at those numbers. If you were interested in the 49ers at all this week, you got to look at those look ahead lines and feel like you're getting a bit of a bonus in this line this week. Did you have Andrew Wiggins as a Western <laughs> Conference starter in the All Star game, by the way? Wow. <laughs> starter. Did you have that? No, I did not. Maybe when he was coming out of high school. Yeah, <laughs> when he was yeah, like, oh, yeah for sure. <laughs> when he was the best prospect since LeBron yeah. James. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk Australian Open. We have the final set on the women's side, and it doesn't include Iga. Oh, boy. Semifinals on the men's side today. We'll talk about that. And apparently, we can't shake El Salvador. Nil-nil, 40th minute. World Cup quali. Come on, USA. It's VEASAN's primetime action live from the South Point. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Down a win with the football showdown series presented by Amazon Prime Videos. Reacher, play free fantasy football during the playoffs and fight for your share of $20,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Jack Reacher now to get in on the action. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You're pretty pumped about the uh, release of Jack Reacher. Oh, you know, I mean, uh, we, read the, we read the premise right. He was wronged, and now he's got to right himself. And uh, I'm in for those types of and series. It, it's the know? actor from, uh, what was the, the show? Blue Mountain Valley State? Something like that, A right? Blue Mountain State. Blue Mountain State, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yes. was, I was close. Don't laugh, Gil. I was so close. Blue Mountain Valley. <laughs> Shenandoah. <laughs> Outback State. <laughs> Outback. Um, we spent most of the, it was so funny, we spent most of the, uh, the break here going through some of these uh, tweets. Because I had said about the, uh, the stat about the third team. You know, you said twenty. Mm-hmm. It had happened. It happened twenty-two times. The uh, team that won the first two won the third fourteen of those twenty-two times. And I quipped. I was like, "Hey, yeah, but how many times? Uh, how many times is the team on the road?" And then uh, in the third matchup, yeah, and people then are coming back with all kinds of questions. D- DS was like, 
<laughs> no, no, hold on. Yeah, no, this is Bears Nation goes. Uh, and how many times has the team who won the first two matchups still been an underdog in the third matchup? And then uh, what else did we have here? And then we had uh, one from Fadi. Let's see. No, there was another one where someone said, well, how many times have they been the underdog in that? Um, well, that was the underdog one. And there was a second one talking about how many times was it, what, that they were on the road or it was, I don't know. There was a, there yeah. was a couple different uh, different times that got broken down. And so, I don't know. They're challenging you, I guess, on that is what they're saying. Yeah. All I'm, all I'm saying, I, I'll admit, I didn't do any further research. That's just <laughs> raw wins and losses. Like, like, I didn't. I didn't look who was home and road and all the things. Sorry. Matt snapped her in the break. He's like, all right, if you're really breaking it down. I don't know the weather. (laughs) I don't know if they were dome games or if they were snow games. And I I don't have any idea. Because what Kenny said it was happened five times. What was it? What what did we decide that Kenny meant by that? I I don't don't know. We have no idea. I didn't hear that. All I know know is one thing, that they definitely played at least once at home and at least once on the road. Good good insight. Good insight. That's what I'm here for, Gil. That's what I'm here for. Kelly Billen, everybody. The Australian Open, boy, oh boy, oh boy, has this been a uh, a challenging tournament for myself. But uh, we, there's a few things we did hit. Iga to win the quarter at plus two fifty. We still have the Barty and the uh, Medvedev uh, futures, which is no sexy picks, just the sort of you know conviction that they would get home. So far, so good on those. Match by match, not so much. But here are the semis tonight: Matteo Berrettini against Rafa Nadal. Nadal bet all the way up to minus two thirty now, and then into the night. Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, similarly a big dog against Daniil Medvedev. Medvedev minus 270. Berrettini plus 185. And Tsitsipas plus 215, respectively. If I tell you, <clears throat> if I come to you from the future, if I come to you tomorrow and I say, Matt, one of these was an outright upset, it would be? I think, I would, I think I'd take Berrettini over Nadal just strictly based off of the fact that Nadal did have to, did have to like, I mean, if you watch, I kind of went back and rewatched that and, and, it was a little bit less of Nadal winning that five-setter than it was Shapovalov just kind of falling apart and Ugh. giving it away. Like, so I, it wasn't one of those deals like where, where you know, Medvedev had to go to a had to go to five as well, but, like, he he just won. I mean, he just, like, came back and he just, he, he trucked those last three sets. But I I, I guess it would, it would have to be that because, I mean, again, Nadal, I, I'm not going to say he was compl- he's Nadal. I mean, he he put the guy in positions to melt, but, like, he was the beneficiary of kind of a melt. Isn't that the mystique, though, also of Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic? That's, a, that's one little aspect of it we don't mention. If you do, like, if you just, if you start to think to yourself, oh, my God, yeah. I might be them. Oh, yeah. You're like, you, <laughs> the ability to uh, put that emotion off is got to be the most difficult thing in the world because, you know, Shapovalov had to be like, oh, my God. And then, and then as soon as he starts playing, like better, yeah. you're like, oh god, I don't uh, have a shot. I oh, can't god. believe I blew oh, this. Man. I know I'm going to lose three in a row, aren't I? And it's like, yeah, you are. Medvedev still minus one twenty yeah. for those, and, and mathematically, that you know, I guess that's accurate because he's got to face Nadal or Berrettini, probably Nadal based on the market, um, in the finals. Nadal going. Let's not let's not uh, diminish this. Nadal's going for twenty one. Mm-hmm. This would break the tie of Grand Slam men's singles title, if Nadal could pull this off. But first things first, he's got to take down Matteo Berrettini tonight. Medvedev, Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas, I've never seen Tsitsipas play a better match than he did against Yannick yeah, Sinner that in the was, quarters. I think, by far, the best match he's ever played. Crushed him. Yeah. Crushed him. Was nearly flawless in that, yep. in, in that one. Uh, must be some 
I'm assuming some just uh, favorite parlays coming in. This is ticked up to Nadal 240 yeah. and Medvedev 275. So just a little bit, a little bit worse of a number than uh, than we were posting on the screen. Right I have here. a money line parlay that ends with a five legger over three nights that ends with Nadal tonight. So I just need Nadal to come home, which is a big if. But if, yeah, if you do like the two favorites on the men's side, a Nadal Medvedev parlay is minus 108. Minus 108 if you wanted those guys. And then here's the women's final. Uh, this is the coronation of Ashley Barty. Ash Barty, as they say down under. Um, she's minus 550 yeah. to beat Danielle freaking Collins. And Danielle freaking Collins, that's her nickname, by the way. She uh, she trucked. You know, here's the thing. Iga, just her serve completely failed her the last couple rounds. And you're not going to get away with that against the better players in the world. And Collins beat her six four six one. So our long shot play on Iga, um, which we we didn't really think was going to get past Barty either. Let's be honest. But it doesn't even get to the finals. Uh, thankfully, did the quarter thing. So Collins is plus three seventy. This is Ash Barty. Don't get crazy. Collins is not winning this. No. Total games. You'll see the adjusted lines at nineteen and a half, twenty and a half, and twenty one and a half. And for those who are new to tennis betting, essentially the reason that the twenty and a half is the closest to a coin flip is because what you sort of assume is a break and a break, 6-4, six, 6-4, four, six, four, and you go, you sort of work from there. And so if you believe that Collins has enough to do better than that, that would inform your over. If you, if you want to know Ash Barty's route to getting here, it was an 0-1 win, a 1-1 win, a 2-3 win. She did have a 4-3 um, in the fourth round. Then a two, a two and zero, oh, and then a one and three this this uh this past match as well. So again, like, just beasted this tournament. The four and three was against Anisimova, yes. who I believe is the only person to have broken her serve <laughs> at any point. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, it's like Iga in the twenty twenty French, right? I mean, it's just complete domination. This though is, this is absolute domination. And and I would expect, by the way, if you're asking me the question about the. Uh, the total games, I would think it would go under the 20 yeah. and a half. I really do. I don't, Colin's a good player, but Barty's on another level right now. Been fun. Not as fun as I would have liked to. <laughs> at least you, yeah. you at least wanted the, the final sweat, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, but we, we, I think I can't remember if we were on air or we, uh, or it was on break or something like that. But that was the one thing we talked about in that match, just heading in in general, because neither one of, Collins or Iga had had been serving well their last few matches. I mean, completely, completely awful first serve percentages and stuff. And again, like that, like you mentioned, just eventually it'll, it'll catch up to you, you know. And so, uh, what happened in that one? Ash Barty's just been she's just been so phenomenal. I I, I would only bet a games prop. I mean, five fifty. If you got a huge bankroll, sure, go go right ahead, knock yourself out. But yeah, I would just bet the under on the games. That that's probably going to yeah. be my play on that one. Nothing for me tonight uh, in either of these two. Again, I've got a uh, money line parlay that I never. I don't really talk about the money line parlay yeah. so much, but those are fun things you do when you just feel like the favorites are going to get home. And people, by the way, anybody who's who's you know in the too cool for school crowd with tennis, like oh, you shouldn't do these money line parlays. Trust me, uh, it is a staple of tennis betting that works out fairly well. I wouldn't recommend it in other sports, but in tennis, um, in certain situations, they make a lot of sense. So there you go, Australian Open down to its final. <laughs> Three matches on the men's side and last match on the women's and, side. And uh, Kyrgios and Kokonakis made it to the uh, to the finals. You and, imagine having to play them in that atmosphere. <laughs> and well, here's here's what's awesome. 
the other team is all Australians. It's an all Australian final. Yeah, so what are you going to do? Four four Aussies uh, going at it for the men's doubles finals. And and sure enough, it was as entertaining as I thought it would be. And, of course, Kyrgios only once, though. And and Kokonakis kind of gave him a little, like, bro. Just a, for absolutely no reason, volleyed one between his legs. Like, (laughs) it's coming right at him plenty of time to hit a normal volley. And instead, just volleyed it between his legs. Coconut is like, I'd actually like to win this. Yeah, he's kind of like, hey, I'm not as rich as you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, yeah. like it, it would be nice for me to like go ahead and get that that finals payday. So that'd be that'd be cool. Maybe I if you don't do that watch. again. Yeah, I, I saw Matt's text at like ten, like or whatever time yeah. it was. He's yeah. like, was that fun? I'm like, I totally forgot to watch. It, it was just, <laughs> it, it was one of those. And of course, the crowd loves it, so he loves it and all this stuff. But you can see Coconut's kind of like, come on, come on, bro, <laughs> come on, bro. Let's not let's not do that again. How when is the doubles finals? It tonight. Uh, no, it is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow night stateside. Uh, United States, eight shots against El Salvador. None on goal. Nil, nil at halftime as I'm sure soccer Twitter begins to work itself up oh into boy. a frenzy. Watch out. Oh, there's nothing worse than soccer Twitter. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Mike Pritchard joins us coming up momentarily. The, uh, host of betting across America here on VEASAN. He will join us for the BetCast for the second year in a row, I might add, for the big game. So we look forward to talking to him, get his thoughts on championship weekend. Uh, and then we'll take a look at Super Bowl odds for next season. How about that? Never too early to think about that. We'll do that next right here on VEASAN's Primetime Action. Take the- Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 